Hey Heritage family, I want to welcome you to service today. We are so glad that you are here worshiping with us this weekend. Now, since the beginning of the new year, we as a church have been pressing into several different practices that are inherently designed to help us individually and corporately bring all that we are before God in our daily lives. Now, before we jump into a time of musical worship, I just want to invite each of us to engage in the practice of community. Now, as we as a church fully believe that community is a gift from God and a vital part of our faith. The truth is God created us for one another. He created us to do life, the good, the bad together. Now, I believe that when we acknowledge this, it helps us recognize that we are part of something larger than ourselves. And although we are gathering virtually in this space, we can know that we are joining with hundreds of people asking God to grant us love and peace to share to those around us. Along with praying this prayer together in a moment, I just want to take this a step further and challenge us to think about who God might be asking you to provide community for. What plan are you putting in place now to do that well? Well, you know, a good place to start is with your physical neighbors. Do you know their names? Do you pray for them regularly? Do you know the things they are celebrating? or the things they are grieving? These are all great questions to consider that I believe will help each of us press into the community that God has positioned us to offer and receive. So this week, I encourage you to pray and ask God who he might be preparing you to provide community for. And I want you to think through what that plan looks like in providing that community for them. I wanna invite each of you now to read this prayer in unison with me asking God to grant us his wisdom, love, peace, and courage to receive and give community how he desires. Would you pray with me? Embracing Father, you grace each of us with equal measure in your love. Let us learn to love our neighbors more deeply so that we can create peaceful and just communities. Inspire us to use our creative energies to build the structures we need to overcome the obstacles of intolerance and indifference. May Jesus provide us the example needed and send Holy Spirit to warm our hearts for the journey. Amen. up the gates, fling wide the doors, the King of glory's coming. Through city streets and living hearts, we see His Spirit moving. And now His kingdom comes, now His will be
Bring all the sick Bring all the sick Call to the lost Tell them our God is with us Come prophesy that now the time That ready church Let's rise up And now his kingdom comes Now his will be done Lift up your bed Everything in it, the world and all who live in it, for he founded it on the seas and established it on the waters. Who may ascend the mountain of the Lord, who may stand in his holy place, the one who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not trust in an idol or swear by a false god. They will receive blessing from the Lord and vindication from God their Savior. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face, God of Jacob. Lift up your heads, you gates. Be lifted up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty. The Lord, mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, you gates. Lift them up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is he, this King of glory? The Lord Almighty, he is the King of glory. Joyful, joyful, we adore thee, God of glory, Lord of love. Hearts unfold like flowers before thee, opening to the sun above. Joyful, joyful, we adore thee, God of glory,
living God, Spirit of the living God. We only want to hear your voice. We're hanging on every word. Spirit of the living God, Spirit of the living God. We only want to know you more. We're hanging on every
You know, even as we ask God to be the one who builds our lives, it's a reminder that He is about building great and wonderful things in, through, and for us for the sake of His great name. In fact, there's a passage of scripture in the Old Testament where a father is inviting his son to live into the great work that God has for him. These are the words that we read there. Receive them with me. It says, David also said to Solomon, his son, be strong and courageous and do the work. Do not be afraid or discouraged for the Lord God, my God is with you. He will not fail you or forsake you until all the work for the service of the temple of the Lord is finished. You see, David knew his son Solomon had a greater work to do. And I believe each of us has been invited into a greater work that God has for us. And so as we prepare our hearts for the message and even to go about our week this week, I'm going to invite us into a space and place of prayer. First, where we ask God to help us identify the spaces of greater work that he has for us. And then where we ask him to give us courage and strength to be about that greater work. So even now, where you are, ask him to reveal to you the space and place of your greater work. Maybe that's in your family, in your workplace, or even in the space of waiting while you're waiting to see what God is doing in these days. As you identify that and you begin to get a sense of what it is, I invite you to pray with me now as we seek him for courage. Father dear, we love you and we want to love you more. We ask you to be the one who reveals to us our place of greater work. And in that place of greater work, give us courage and strength to be found faithful in what you're inviting us to. Lord, we want to see you do great and impossible things in and through each of us. So lead us. Lead us into more of you. Lead us into those places of strength and courage and faithfulness. Not for our sake, but for the glory of your great name alone, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey friends, have you ever taken time to set up a row of dominoes just to push them over and watch them fall? There's something pretty satisfying about that, especially when it works. And when I was younger, my brother and I, we spent many hours setting up extensive rows and runs of, of dominoes through different heights and different rooms in our house, sometimes successfully and sometimes not. But the thing is, even though it just takes a little bit of time and a little bit of focus, it's really not all that complicated. It just takes a handful of dominoes, a push in the right direction, and each of them properly aligned. But the thing is about this dynamic is that if you don't have all three elements within the dynamic, if you don't have proper alignment, you don't have a push in the right direction, in the end, it doesn't work. 
the, the sequence is broken. The, the chain is broken. It takes proper alignment, each domino in its place, and a push in the right direction for it to fall in sequence. You know, I think that's a pretty helpful way to think about grit. See, grit is a very interesting word because it sounds like what it means. It's almost onomatopoeic in it. And, and when we say grit, it can make us feel a bit more gritty. Just grit, do that right where you're at. Just say, say grit and give it a hard grit. Yeah, there you go. Grit, man. Grit is something that means that we have courage and, and resolve and strength of character. It's a skill and a trait and it's deeply rooted in biblical principles. And at the heart of it is what God calls us to do and who he calls us to be. It's who Jesus calls us to be and what he calls us to do. So over the past few weeks, we've been looking to understand what grit is. We've seen that it's passion and perseverance. We've seen that it's determination and steadfastness, but it's also something else. It's metal, M-E-T-T-L-E. That's not a word we normally use, but it's one that speaks of an ability to cope with difficulties or to face demanding situations in a resilient way. It's a fortitude that is both mental and emotional in the face of difficulty, adversity, danger, or temptation. It's courage to do the right thing in the right way at the right time. Now, you may be thinking, okay, I get it. We've talked about grit already. We're supposed to have it. It's important. Is it really that important? I want to tell you, yeah, yeah, it is. Absolutely. Because it is incredibly significant. The ripple is significant in our lives when we don't lean into grit. So we've been talking about what it is and how we live it out, but today I want to look at what happens when we don't. What happens when we live without grit? You see, in a way, grit keeps us positioned to do anything and everything God asks. In a way, a life without grit consistently lacks the next domino, the next step. But grit, a life with grit, keeps us in position to do anything and everything that God asks. It creates a, a readiness for us to risk beyond ourselves, but not beyond him. And people with godly grit can step into anything that God asks of them. It's really how we function as a church and why we do many of the things that we do across our region. It's because we understand it's how the people of God are supposed to live. It's how you and I are supposed to live in this life. So we continue to do so even in this season because we want to do anything and everything that God asks us. And when we do that, we experience greater things. It leads to greater things. But when we don't step into it, we don't have metal and we don't have courage, well, then it disrupts the sequence and it breaks the chain. If you have a Bible, I want to look at an example of this in Scripture. And if so, just turn to the Old Testament, to the book of Numbers. Numbers is the fourth book of the Old Testament. We're going to Numbers 14, and we're going to look at a dynamic that happened for a group of people several thousands of years ago. They were known as the Israelites, uh, descendants of a man named Abraham, the, the Hebrews, also known as Jews. The, they would become the 12 tribes of Israel. And, and this people group were, were actually able to live into a promise. God had promised a man, Abraham, that his descendants would be given a land, and God follows through on that promise. But before that promise is realized, the people, those descendants of Abraham, would end up spending in a season of 400 years a time of slavery in Egypt. After a period of time there, that 400 years, a man named Moses came. And through Moses and 10 plagues, they were free. And they went on their way to get to the promised land. And a number of things happened along the way. But once they got to the edge of the promised land, 
They sent in 12 guys to do a recon, which is smart. They, they found out what was there. They found it was abundant land with lots of great things, but also enemy, great enemy, some of which were giants. And when the spies came back and reported what they had found, it put the people into a space of whether they were going to choose grit or not. It put them in a space to choose to be faithful or not. And here's what happened when they heard the report of both the good things and the complicated things from the spying. This is what it is. Numbers 14, starting verse 1. That night, all the members of the community raised their voices and wept aloud. All the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron. Those were their leaders. And the whole assembly said to them, If only we had died in Egypt or in this wilderness. Why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? Our wives and children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to each other, We should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. This is a moment for them to choose grit or not to choose faithfulness or not. And the thing about moments of choosing grit is that they are always defining moments. Moments to choose grit are always defining moments. And despite all the Israelites had seen to this point and experienced in this journey to this point, they waver in this choice and in this decision. Now, fortunately, two guys, Joshua and Caleb, two of the spies, they give this epic invitation to grit. They actually advocate for grit. They essentially say, look, if God told us where to go into this land, we need to go, we should go, we must go, and we can go without fear. It's an incredible invitation to grit, to greater things. But in the end, the people balk. The size of the task, the size of their enemy, the immensity of the work position them to withdraw. And in a way, they pull a domino from the sequence. They remove the next step. They even talk about going back to Egypt and push the other way, the wrong direction, not the right direction. It's a defining moment that leads them to wander in the desert for 40 years, and all of the adults who made that decision end up dying. There were 600,000 fighting men among the Israelites at this time, which meant there were about 600,000 women probably, which meant more than a million people would end up dying in the desert, all the adults except Joshua and Caleb, because they didn't have the willingness to embrace grit, because they stood at an edge of a promised land, and they chose not to go in. It defines a generation. Moments to choose grit always are defining moments. You see, one of the challenges with this conversation is in how we view success. See, sometimes we don't view it through the right lens. We, we look at what is right or wrong through the lens of what is easy or hard rather than what is and what can be, the now and the next. And God's great purposes for you and me when we gather in spaces, when we walk in life, is not focused on the complexity of the things around us, but focused on the possibilities. It's not about what's easy and hard, it's about what is now and next. His purposes are always focused on what can be, moving what is to what can be. And it'll always take a willingness to to, to remain, to be present in the space, to be aligned to his purpose and pushing in the same direction with him to see his purposes realized. And it's grit that holds us in that position. It keeps us aligned. It gives us an extra push that allows us to live into greater purpose. And it may be a space of adversity. I'll tell you that. It may be a space of difficulty. But adversity in the hand of God is always a catalyst to greater things. It's a space where his strength is made perfect in our weakness and his, his grace shines. 
And our God always gives strength, great strength, to risk for his great purpose. But I think sometimes we tend to want to avoid adversity and the hardship and the difficulty. But scriptures actually call us not to avoid adversity, but to appreciate it, to hold gratitude for it. James tells us that we're to consider it pure joy whenever we face trials of any kind because we know that the testing of our faith develops grit, develops perseverance, and that perseverance leads us to the end lacking nothing. God gives great strength to risk for his great purpose in any and every dynamic. And let me tell you, grit can be developed. We grow in adversity and challenge. We know that when we think about muscles and our cardiovascular system when we run, or even our intellect when we study, we grow in adversity and grit can be developed. But I'm gonna tell you this, the enemy of grit is ease. It's looking for the comfort. Pain and struggle can be the means by which we grow in strength and wisdom. And grit holds us in position, aligned to his purpose, greater purpose, and able to push in the same direction as he is. But when we choose not to remain, we choose not to hold the line, or even choose to push in the other direction, the sequence is broken. The next step realities of God's greater purposes are not realized. And it was at the edge of the promised land that the Israelites decided to remove a next step. And rather than lean into what could be, they missed an opportunity as they chose not to embrace grit. They have tried to avoid adversity. They decided not to align to God's purpose, and they removed a domino. But anytime we remove a next domino, anytime we pull that away, it preempts the next in the sequence, the next opportunity. Not resisting temptation, not being willing to remain, not being willing to persevere in the dynamic that we sit in in our life always breaks the sequence. Yet even when we've missed the opportunity before, we serve a God of second chances. The more willing to embrace grit, remain positioned properly, let him push and push in the direction he's going with him, then we can experience the greater things and the greater purpose that he has. We have the opportunity to do the right thing at the right time in the right way. So let's go back to where we saw the Israelites. So we go back this time. We're going to be in the book of Joshua, though, Joshua chapter 1, because after 40 years of wandering, they find themselves in a space, now again at the edge of the promised land. Another opportunity to go in, and this time faced with another choice to embrace grit or not. Everybody in the group now is experiencing two different things. Everybody 40 and under had never been in this dynamic before. They'd only known the desert. People 41 and up to about 59 had been here before, whether they remembered it or not. And they're positioned with an opportunity to go in and take the land with Joshua and Caleb leading the way. But listen to what God says to Joshua after the 40 years of wandering, but right before he steps into this next opportunity of grit when the people take the land that God had promised. This is Joshua chapter 1, starting with verse 7. Be strong and very courageous, says the Lord. Be gritty, he says. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. It's a clear call to grittiness. It's a clear call to embrace grit in the dynamic. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. And out of this moment, Joshua leads, the people respond, God does what he promises, and they take the land this time. 
Now the key is what was the difference between this time and last time? It wasn't the task. It wasn't even necessarily timing or the talents that the people had. In fact, at this point, it's the same task. It's the same God asking them to step into the same land, maybe even a more complicated dynamic because the enemies had had 40 years to multiply and maybe there were more. The difference between this time and last time was grit, a courage and a fortitude, a metal that allowed them to persevere and to step into the task. It was grit, a willingness to obey, a boldness to go, to risk beyond their own abilities but not beyond God's. And it was a moment to choose grit that made it a defining moment. And it's grit that keeps us in position for anything and everything that God asks us to do. You know, in life, there are lots of things that we can't control. And there are some things we can. There are things that we have little control over. There are dynamics that we don't always get to choose what happens to us or around us. But we can always choose our response. We can choose to be people of grit, with a commitment and a heart to maintain a passion and a perseverance as we fix our eyes on the greater things that God has for us in our life. Really, being willing to let the domino, the next domino, sit in place and fall in the direction that he's pushing it. Because, my friends, grit is not about coping, but overcoming. Grit is not about coping, but overcoming. It's the choice to remain steadfast and faithful or not, to endure and persevere or not. And I'm not talking about stubbornness or being bullheaded, yet there's a, there's a certain doggedness about grit. For when we choose grit, when we choose to remain aligned and steadfast by God's power, that's how we overcome. We overcome our past. We overcome current adversity. We overcome gaps in our lives and the lives of other people. That's how Joshua did it and how we can too. And that's why Paul reminds us in the book of Galatians that we should never become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Not, not quitting and not yielding as a people who, who keep taking the right next step, who, who don't give up at the edge of a new opportunity like the Israelites did. It's grit that isn't just about helping us cope, it's about helping us overcome. So what do we do with this conversation? How, how does this play into our daily lives? And I want to tell you, our life provides plenty of opportunity to choose grit. Our nation, our culture, our, our government, our communities, even our personal lives provide abundant opportunities to choose grit. Our personal lives, as we face temptation, as we face tragedy or, or loss or some kind of grief, regardless of our personal context, this world and this particular season is a veritable garden of places to experience great harvest through godly grit. Yet sometimes getting to that requires an unexpected, significant moment of grit now. Because trials always create the context for grit, but we have to choose it to have it. Yet the more we choose grit, the more we have grit. And it's an essential ingredient for everyone who follows Jesus, not simply to cope, but to overcome. The Israelites, man, they, they wanted something easy. They wanted no obstacles. They, they even in some ways expected it to be easy. But if they'd just been willing to embrace grit at the edge of the promised land the first time, to step in bold obedience and faithful risk for his purpose. They could have avoided greater hardship and experienced greater purpose, but they didn't. And as a result, wandering in the desert became their purpose for 40 years. 
Now, you and I may not stand at the edge of a promised land, but we can stand at the edge of God's promises. And we may not need rescued from slavery in Egypt, but we do need rescued from slavery to sin. We may not need 10 plagues to lead us out of slavery into freedom or in, away from death, but we need the blood of the Lamb of God to lead us into freedom and life spiritually. So I think what I want to invite you to consider today is where is a lack of grit limiting God's purpose in your life? For the Israelites, that came within a significant ripple. Where is a lack of grit defining you in a way that it shouldn't? Missing a next step of obedience, not aligned to God's purposes, maybe even pushing in a different direction. And I get it in the complexities and the, the loss and the pain and struggles of life. There's a temptation to pull back, to lean away in the pressure and the adversity rather than to embrace it with grit. But when we think that it's easier to push in an opposite direction of God, we're fooling ourselves. That's not how it works. And the more we choose grit, the more we actually have it. So where is the lack of grit limiting God's purpose in your life? The truth is, man, God, God doesn't always save us from hardship. He, he, he doesn't always prevent it. He, he doesn't always remove it. And he doesn't readily rescue us from it. But he always seeks to lead us through it, to grow us, to refine us. I know that this world is a place of great sadness and pain and disappointment. Yet we rise in the name and the power of Jesus. He is the one who rescues. It starts with Jesus. Jesus came to make a way for us rescue. He provides a promise of an eternal land, heaven, life eternal. Yet it requires an element of choice for us. It requires the choice of grit, being steadfast, being passionate, persevering, holding him in the tension of metal, the courage and fortitude in choosing him to ultimately get there. And like the Israelites, you may feel like there shouldn't be trouble, but I'm going to tell you that there is. Jesus said there would be trouble in this world. But much of the struggle that God allows in our lives is for the deepening of our souls. Not just the learning process, but the unlearning process. It's the decluttering of our lives. It's the refining of our walk with him, our view of him. And suffering can either increase our selfishness or it can break us from it. But it's the willingness to choose grit that can strip away the shallowness of our lives and make us deeper and better if we allow it. It's really easy to recognize those who have learned to live in the crucible of grit and who have experienced God there. They live totally differently because in consistently embracing grit, being a person of grit, of courage and fortitude means we're part of a greater journey with a greater purpose but not choosing to embrace grit removes us from his best. It breaks the sequence. It, it keeps us from his next. I want to leave you with words found in the book of Hebrews because I think it's a good encouragement as you process what we talked about today. This is Hebrews 10, starting with verse 23, and I'm going to jump to verse 35. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promises. He can, both then, both then and now. Verse 35, so do not throw away this confident trust in the Lord. Remember the great reward it brings you. Verse 36, patient endurance is what you need now so that you will continue to do God's will. Patient endurance, grit, 
Then you will receive all that he has promised. My friends, sometimes there's nothing more to do in life than to lean in and maintain an intimate and honest connection with Jesus and make sure nothing gets in the way of that. To make sure that even if we don't know what's ahead, we can't see the outcome. We don't necessarily have all the answers to every question we ask. We just know the right next obedient step. In that case, it makes today the day to take that step, to choose courage, to choose metal, to do the thing you know God has been asking you to do all along. Maybe it's something you need to stop or something you need to start. Maybe you need to stop an unholy behavior or an unhealthy relationship. Maybe you need to start a faithfulness or an investment he's asking you to do long ago. Or maybe you're in it right now and you're wanting to quit. You're wanting to lean away. You're wanting to take a next step back the other way, but he, he wants you to lean in. It's grit that allows us to do that. It's grit that hold us, holds us in place. Whatever it is, I invite you to choose to do that, to lean in to him who is faithful to fulfill his promise and remain rooted in him. Not half in and not part-time, but fully aligned and positioned for his purpose, willing to push in his direction. You know, prayer is a key component of that. Some people say that prayer changes things, and to some degree that's true. But what's more accurate to say is that prayer changes us. Prayer changes us so God can bring change through us. And as you process your next step of grit so that he can lead you into the next realities of your life, I want to create a space for you to pray. I'll start us out and then let you linger in prayer as we step back into worship through song. This is an opportunity for us to hold patient endurance because that's what we need now. To remain positioned, to let him over, by his power, help us overcome for his greater realities and purpose in our life. So would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your grace. I thank you for your love. And I thank you that you bring your power to bear when we step in obedience to you. May we be a people who allow the sequence of your purpose and plan to play out in our lives as we remain properly aligned to you, willing to lean into that next reality as you push and we lean in the direction you want us to go. May you allow us to demonstrate grit. May you speak even in these next few moments.
I'm so grateful that as we're invited to be people of metal and grit, that it's not something we're asked to do on our own, but Jesus gives us Holy Spirit who awakens those things within us. Know that we're praying for you as you seek God in the spaces where you need grit and metal in these days. Know He is faithful and will be found faithful as we chase after Him. I do know that there are some places and spaces though where we need a little help along the way, where it's hard to be people of grit and metal as we've journeyed through pain and loss. And so we want to invite you, if you've recently journeyed through divorce or are journeying through grief, to connect with us in our divorce care and grief share environments. They're starting on February 1st at our Bridgepoint location. It's a great opportunity for you to connect with others on a similar journey, to encourage one another and be found chasing hard after the things of God, even as he offers us community and healing in those spaces. You can find more information about those opportunities at heritageqc.com and by using the Church Center app. While you're there, you'll find opportunity to share with us how we can be praying for you and other ways that we can be journeying with you. You'll find opportunities like virtual learning groups, support group environments, and even opportunities to join us live in person in our Rock Island campus for worship. As you're there, you'll also notice opportunities to partner with us in radical generosity. We're so grateful for the ways that your giving has allowed us to minister in real time, in real ways to the cities around us, to help us pursue and chase after the good things that God has for us. If you want to join us in that pursuit, go ahead and click on give at heritageqc.com or in that app and know we'll put those resources to great kingdom use as we chase after the things of Jesus together. We can't wait to see you soon and know that the very best is yet to come.